Welcome to the Yet We Thrive podcast. We're your hosts, Jessica and Lindsay. Even though we are all part of this club that we never intended to sign up for, we're so glad you're here. We are a community for women who have lost babies or have struggled to get pregnant. And we're here to help you thrive, even in the midst of these impossible circumstances. So join us as we show you practical and sometimes unconventional ways every week for how to thrive in this one crazy life. Welcome to the Yet We Thrive podcast. This is episode 76, and today we have a Yet We Thrive team member, Jamie Hainsworth, on to talk about her amazing son, Aiden. But before we do that, something that's frustrating us and something that's bringing us joy. Jamie, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. my uh, I am frustrated with my house right now. Oh, <laughs> I had to like take a, a day, like a week off last week because of my arm being injured and so it's just in a state of disarray. I and then hate this when that week, happened. yeah, this week went sideways, and so it's still not clean. Oh, <laughs> how it goes? It's okay. Yeah, it's all right, it babe. is what it is. Yeah. I'll catch up eventually, but it's <laughs> right. just annoying me right now. It's so annoying. Yeah. I totally get that. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but my joy is uh, chocolate and dirt. Ooh, okay. <laughs> good combination. So, <laughs> Peter's working really hard. My husband to speak my love languages, which one of them is gifts and. He brought me home last night. I keep meaning to go to the store and get dirt to replant a snake plant that I have that's of that's gotten too big for the pot. Okay. <laughs> and I had to throw away my old dirt because it got bugs. And he yeah. went and picked me up dirt and chocolate randomly because I'm about to start my period. So (laughs) that's a good combination. It is a great combination. (laughs) Oh, I love that. What a gem. That's That's amazing. You go ahead, Jess. Okay, sure. So something that's frustrating me is, um, so we ordered a new car. I sound super bougie saying that, but... But it's been being delayed every month. I keep wondering when it's going to show up because I cannot wait to see it, Jess. (laughs) She's getting my dream car, which is Uh, a Ford Bronco. Well, I wish it was. I wish it was the like the Ford Bronco, but it's the Ford Bronco Outer Banks or Sports Uh or something like that. So it. The Ford Bronco is my dream. Well, vintage one is my yes. dream. That's car. technically the dream Absolutely. one. Yes. But this is yes. the next best right. yeah. feasible one. Yeah, this is the one we can afford. Right. <laughs> um, but it keeps getting delayed, oh. which is fine. But we really needed it in the summer months because my husband's car is just on its last leg. There's no air conditioning. It's oh my just gosh. like we really only have one good car. And even that one good car is um, probably need to be traded in soon. So, but it keeps getting delayed, which is super annoying. But then again, I'm like, but I don't have a car payment. So this is great. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. So, um, but my joy is so, do you guys ever read Kristen Hanna books? No. Mm-hmm. She wrote The Nightingale um, okay. and some other ones. But okay. I have never been a reader. Like, I've Mm -hmm. never enjoyed reading until, like, COVID hit, really. Um, And I read The Nightingale, and then I've read, like, several of her books since, and I'm in the middle of reading another one. So, um, reading her books is bringing me joy. That's (laughs) amazing. Yeah. But she's a really good writer. Have to, I'll have to read some. I've heard of the Nightingale, but I've never yeah, read yes. it. So it's really good. I have to put that next on yes. my list. Yeah, yeah. She has a Winter Garden one, and I'm reading the Four Winds one right now. And then okay. the Great Alone is probably the Nightingale, and then the Great Alone are my top two. I think. Okay, I've heard the Great Alone is really good. Yeah, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, I'll have to add those to my list. Yeah. Yes, add them. Well, what's frustrating me are gas prices. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm like having Amen. to like. Yeah 
should we go here? Can right. we go yeah. here? You have to like map out I really driving. Do. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. So, which I've never had to do before. So, yeah. I mean, like years and years ago when they went up mm-hmm. and we were super poor. Yeah. But like all we did was go to work in youth group. Right. Because we were youth leaders at the time. Um, but yeah, we, it was, we didn't have kids. We weren't driving kids around right. or, you know, yeah. so it was just a lot easier to like meter what we were doing right. then. And yeah. now it's like, well, yeah. we have kids and doctor's appointments and activities mm-hmm. and swim lessons. And yep. it's just a whole thing. Yes. <laughs> so thankfully my mama let me drive her Prius here today. Oh, <laughs> so <go>. thank <laughs> goodness for the Prius. That's awesome. <laughs> that thing is amazing. <laughs> um, but what's bringing me joy is my two daughters my two oldest daughters and one of their best friends started a bracelet company called watermelon wishes and i commissioned them to make some yet we thrive bracelets for me and they are so cute and i love them and they are bringing me a lot of joy so we're i'm going to work with them to see if we can get them out into your hands because they are so cute and it's just like a bright little reminder of like mine has lots of colors on it but just a bright little reminder of like we're in this together yes. and we're not alone and yeah. there's life outside of this. And so that's bringing me a lot of joy. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So we've had Jamie on before to share her story about her miscarriages, but this month our Thrive Tip is to open up your couch. And in light of that, we are wanting to share stories from women who have experienced impossible circumstances that aren't necessarily related to our fertility journeys. So this time last year, Jamie's son Aiden went through a traumatic illness. And now we have Jamie on to share with us about that. Can you tell us about what happened to Aiden and how that began? Um, So Aiden, over 4th of July weekend, ended up in the hospital. Um, He had been dealing with a really nasty flu virus for like a week before that. Um, It started on a Sunday and we went to the hospital on a Saturday. And it was like not a normal flu virus Mm. where like, you know, my kids, I I don't know about other people's kids, but my kids, when they have a flu, they vomit, they eat. They play, they vomit. Yes. <laughs> and it's like they don't, it doesn't hit them the same way. This was not like that. He was just laying around the house moaning all the time, like miserable. He wasn't eating at all in between, but he hadn't been vomiting for a few days. Um, and so like that Thursday, uh, he was sick Sunday that Thursday. He was finally ate something and we were excited. I'm like, yes, we're finally over it. And then he woke up. Um, vomiting again on Friday and so we took him to the doctor um we're like this is just not normal this should not be going on for that long and they couldn't find anything suspicious didn't know what to think they're like I think it's a second flu virus which I did not agree with but you know you go with what the doctor says sometimes Mm -hmm. um so we took him home and then he just was getting sicker and sicker and he had he was having diarrhea every 15 minutes by the end of the day and into that Saturday um incessantly and I kept I called the doctor again and said this is what's going on I think he's getting dehydrated obviously Mm -hmm. and she said no I think just keep watching them and because it was over a holiday too you know I can I couldn't go in there so I was like when do I go to the hospital Mm -hmm. kind of thing and we kept, she said to stay home and just watch him, get him to drink as much as we can. Normal flu advice, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we right. were going with it. But he just, that day was just worse and worse. He couldn't get up and wasn't doing anything and started getting lethargic and then started, um, his diarrhea turned to complete blood. Oh my gosh. 
Just so scary. Very scary. So it it went straight to blood at that point, and then we, I was like, I don't care what the doctor says. I'm going to the hospital, obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I called her, and she's like, Oh well, that's fine. You can go, but I bet they'll just give them fluids and that kind of thing. And I said, Okay, whatever. I just kind of hung up on her mm-hmm. at that point because I was super frustrated. I was like, This is very not normal. I don't think she believed me that it was completely blood kind of thing mm-hmm. where she was like, oh, it's just spotted. That happens when they don't, f- you know, whenever it's been going on for so long. I was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we went in and um, we went in there. At, we went into like our local hospital because I kept asking her, should we go to a children's hospital? And she said, no, just go to the one that's five minutes from your house. He just needs fluids, da, da, da. Again, I should have trusted my gut and gone to the children's hospital because they didn't know what to do with them. Um, they hooked him up to fluids, but nothing was changing anything. Um, and so that went on Saturday through Monday um, where we just kept giving him fluids and Tylenol, and that was it. And um, we ran stool samples because they agreed. Once they saw his diaper and believed me what was going mm-hmm. on in there, they ran stool samples, and I think it was like late Sunday afternoon. Um, they came back and said that he had E. coli. And then they had to investigate what strains, because certain strains can lead to a condition called HUS, uh, which is hemolytic uranium, uranium syndrome. I can't say it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. None it's, of us can either. It's something that I can't say. I'm not a doctor. Um, but he had HUS, and so they were, so he had E. coli. And then at that point, they were concerned about it becoming HUS. Um, and so Monday, then he also got a fever and was sicker. And no matter what they did, he just kept getting sicker. And I kept saying, I really think that this is getting to be HUS. I kept telling the doctors there at that hospital because I, I was familiar with what could happen for me, coli. Um, and they kept saying, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. They tested him for COVID because they thought he was having one of those weird COVID reactions. Uh-huh. And I was like, he doesn't have COVID and he hasn't had COVID. Right. And that all came back clear, obviously. obviously. <laughs> and finally with the fever spiking, um, and then he got a rectal prolapse. Um, that was really scary <laughs> looking. Mm-hmm. It was less concerning for them, but it was really scary for a mom to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, because things are just not where they're supposed to be. Right. Um, so between that and the fever, and he was swelling by that point, um, and I said, I was like, we need to be transferred, please. Mm-hmm. I kept mm-hmm. insisting on it um, all Monday. And so around noon, they were like, yeah, let's transfer him. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, so by the end of the day Monday it was pretty late by the time all the paperwork went through we tried to go to Riley uh, which is a great children's hospital in the area uh, but they were full um, which turned out to be an act of God and uh, we ended up at Peyton Manning Hospital so we ended up at at the next best children's hospital Mm -hmm. in the area thankfully we have two yeah Um, and we ended up there and we got in and I talked to several different doctors and they all said, you know, his labs don't say HUS, blah, blah, blah. It's just, I'm not seeing it. And I was explaining all the symptoms. And by, by Monday evening, he was not neurologically well either. Mm-hmm. He was having some weird, um, he was having like hallucination type situation where he's like pointing at things in the room that aren't there. And he's talking about 
we need to go downstairs and see Eva, his sister. And he's, and he's just, two. He's two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's two, two and a half. Um, and oddly enough, my daughter had swallowed some pills a few months before. So that was why I knew what was happening was hallucinations. Cause I had been mm-hmm. talked through what a hallucination looks like mm-hmm. in a small child mm-hmm. because they don't kids say dumb stuff all right. the time. Uh-huh. Right. You right. Yeah. You're right. not like, this is normal. They say yeah. weird stuff all the time, uh-huh. but he was just, he was pointing out weird things. So anyway, all this is going on. And each doctor I talked to is like, let's not jump to this conclusion and da, 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 da. And I was like, I just need somebody to take me seriously. Right. So I was, this is not my child. Right. He won't let me, he wouldn't let me touch him by that point because his whole body hurt so bad. Oh, and that's okay. not Aiden at all. He's a huge cuddler. Yeah. He didn't want to be touched or anything. Every time we would hold him, he would ask to go back to bed. Um, but mostly just laid there crying. Mm. Finally, we had one doctor come in with um, infectious disease, Dr. Angie. Um, and she listened to me telling her everything, including the neurological things that were going on and just how he was behaving. And she was like, oh, this is HUS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally was like, thank you. Thank right, you yeah. for somebody taking me seriously. Right. I'm not overreacting. Um, she said that sometimes it takes a minute for the labs to catch up to what right. the body tells us and right. what the symptoms tells us. And she said, I guarantee you by tomorrow morning, everybody else will believe us. She's like, it's going to mm-hmm. be in his lab. So she left the room, told everybody else. And one of the doctors actually came back and, and was like, after talking to Angie, just, just said, um, okay, we think it's HUS now. uh, She got everybody on our side and and everybody on the same page. And the next morning, sure enough, his kidneys, um, it's where your kidneys uh, uh, get damaged from everything that's going on in your body. Like Hmm. your red blood cells break apart and kind of destroy everything in their path. And your Hmm. kidneys are the first filtration system for all of that. And so they take the first hit. By that point, he also had um, fluid in his lungs. And um, this is like Tuesday. We knew all this was happening. He got fluid in his lungs on Tuesday. His bowels stopped working and were shutting down. Um, And they thought they were going to have to do surgery just on his bowels for a few, for like a few minutes. They weren't sure what they were going to do there. By that point, he hadn't eaten um, since that, like, Thursday, but that was his only meal Thursday mm-hmm. for, like, by that point, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also knew that it was affecting his brain at that point, too. So it was kind of, you know, Dr. Angie came in. She was very blunt with us, which at times I appreciate, and at times were hard to take. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, we're in a worst-case scenario. If it just hits the kidneys, we can do everything medically to take care of kidneys. Mm-hmm. We can't do that for the brain. Mm-hmm. We can't do that for all the other body parts. We're not sure what all we're going to, you know, <laughs> we can't do as much for those as mm-hmm. we can for the kidneys. This is the worst case scenario. It's in, it's affected his brain. There's some s- symptoms of swelling. They did MRIs and all this other stuff. He's got swelling and all this. And so we're going to do everything we can. And... Um, that, that all went down Tuesday. We went through, like, I don't know how many tests that day um, and all these different conversations just as new things developed. Um, and, um, sorry, um, then on Wednesday morning, she came back. This, this doctor, Angie, came back and, and said, I stayed up all night researching something. If you are willing to try it, um, there's a drug that we can try that works for 
patients with atypical HUS, which is a genetic condition Mm -hmm. that causes the same same reactions. But yours is coming from a virus from E. coli or bacteria, not not a virus. But um, she said we can try this. There are studies done in Germany um, that show promise for people with this. And she's like, if we're willing to do it, we can fly it out. She's like, it's it's going to be off-label drug use and all this other stuff. And she was like, so it's not going to be a normal treatment. But if you're willing to try it, this is his best chance. Wow. And so obviously we're like, whatever. Right. They're, do it. Was it like, yeah, save my baby. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Anything you should do to save my baby at this point. He um, was scheduled for his pick line that day to get nutrition in him since it had been so long. Um, and so we were like, yeah, please do the drug. The, the like risks were meningitis. That, that literally the only risk. Mm. Um, it makes him susceptible to that. And so while that's also a dangerous thing, if you're on the watch for it, it's treatable with antibiotics quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can get the vaccinations for it and this other stuff. So we're like, mm-hmm. clearly the best yes. <laughs> outweighs the negative. Right. So we said yes to that. So they had to fly it in from somewhere. I don't remember where, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it took, it was, it, it was going to take up to two days. And we wow. were still like, I don't know how he's going to respond to that. You know, how, how long, how he's going to be in two days. Um, so he went in for the pick line on Wednesday, and um, it was taking a really long time. And I told my husband, I was like, something's wrong. It's supposed to be a 45-minute procedure, and it was, I think it went close to two hours. Oh, wow. um, and they came about halfway and said, well, we just had issues with one of his veins, so we had to go to a different vein. And then they came back a little while later when it was all done, and... Uh, they said they couldn't take him off of the ventilator. His lungs had filled too full of fluid. Sorry. It's okay. Um, his lungs were too full, and he couldn't breathe any- on his own anymore. So they had to leave him on the vent after what was supposed to be, like, a pretty basic pace- procedure. Just mm-hmm. They warned us we would probably end up in ICU, but I just wasn't expecting it like that. Right. And so... He was sent up to ICU and was on the vent, um, and he had to have a, a chest tube to drain all that fluid that was, it was um, compressing his heart and his lungs, and he just couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't make it on his own without help. Um, yeah, so Wednesday that happened, and again, we were sitting there waiting on this medicine that we hoped would work, but it wasn't a promise, mm-hmm. and um Thursday, I mean, it, it was one of those things. We went to the hospital Saturday night, and every day, everything got worse and worse, and we just got more bad news, like a new system in his body is shutting down today or whatever. It's just that's what it felt like. And um, so by Thursday, he's on the vent, and all of his numbers are just getting really low. He needed blood transfusions by that point. Um, and, um, but then we got the call that the medicine was coming in early instead of coming in on Friday. Like we thought it was going to come in on, on Thursday. So we were all like excited about that. Um, so we had to do a blood transfusion first and then we did that medicine and he had a little fever spike, which was like a really good sign that his body was responding to Mm -hmm. the medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But then Friday, um, his condition was still deteriorating, um, getting worse. Um, by that point, his platelets had also bottomed out completely. So um, they were saying he would need, and, and so by that point, his kidneys had shut down, but we were keeping him going with different medicines that were keeping him peeing. And we kept being told by the doctors, there's not a good reason that he's peeing right now, mm-hmm. but he is. So we're going to keep going. We are not mm-hmm. going to put him on dialysis, even though like these different numbers that we have tell us he should be on dialysis. Right. His kidneys are bad enough. He needs it, right. but he's still peeing. So we're not going to, right. um, because by that point, his gut was in such a bad shape, they couldn't go the normal route. They would have to go through the femoral, not femoral, that's the leg, <laughs> the <laughs> artery in your neck, whatever yeah, that is. Right, yeah. I'm losing my terms now, but the uh, artery in your neck, yeah. which is a more dangerous procedure. Mm-hmm. And he's so tiny and he is so frail by this point. Um, yeah, he was a small two-year-old. He is. Anyway. He's a petite two-year-old. Yeah, just, All my kids are. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he was just so tiny. They were like... We do not want to have to go through his neck. It's not the worst procedure, but with his state, we're, we need to avoid it at all costs. Mm. Friday, though, when his platelets bottomed out, they said if we have to transfuse him with platelets, his kidneys are going to fail. Mm. It overwhelms the kidneys. Um, I don't remember the reason why, but the platelets specifically over the blood overwhelmed the kidneys and he said we will have to do the dialysis that we've been avoiding it's not it's not going to be a good thing he's Mm -hmm. in a really bad place um and that was the night that I called Lindsay just bawling because I said I I was I told her I said I I think God has been working me through letting go of my my baby Mm. and um it's the hardest phone call I've ever in my entire life I'm sure you too, but hardest phone call I've made, but yeah, it just was like, I just was in that state of like, I have to be okay with letting go of him to be able to accept what's happening. And, um, based on everything the doctors were saying and, and things like that, it just was not looking great if he needed those platelets. They, they were down. I, I don't know. They were close to zero. I don't remember what it was, but it was very close to zero. And so I, I called her crying and we didn't sleep that night. I don't think we, I mean, we didn't sleep much at all anyway, but um, I think I got maybe an hour of sleep that night. And then we just were praying over him the rest of the time because yeah. that was all that was left. Right. And that do. was the best thing we could yeah. do. Right. <laughs> and um, the next morning they were doing labs every four hours on him because mm-hmm. of everything going on and they had to really watch those numbers the next morning his platelets went up and the head of that department had told us she had been checking on him a lot that week and she came in and said she was like this is what we see when they start to rebound and start to recover mm-hmm. she's like let's not get our hopes up too much they didn't like, they only bounced back like the tiniest bit. Um, but she said, tentatively, he might be coming up. So we went from <laughs> almost thinking he was going to mm-hmm. die to like suddenly he's rebounding overnight. And 
that was about the time frame for the medicine to start working that he received. They said if it doesn't work within 48 hours, it's not going to do anything for mm-hmm. him. So we had gotten it Thursday, and this was Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at his next set of labs, everything came up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so they officially, by like the end of the day, were like, he's rebounding. First chance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just it went that quick. <laughs> we oh went from God. like every day a new bot system in his body is shutting down to the very next day where we were like, "This is all we have left." God, I don't think I don't know what else we can do. So, how long was he on that medicine? It's a transfusion, so okay. it was like it was like a three hour process of receiving the transfusion. Okay, mm-hmm. it's it's similar like the kid kids or people who have. Atypical HUS who uh-huh. receive that regularly to prevent all this, the catastrophe of HUS, um, they they usually get a port, kind of like a chemo patient, okay, to receive those infusions right. every so often. Okay, so um, it's just one of those things. Where so did he only receive one? Yeah, he okay. had one dose. Okay, um, one dose by that point, and um, yeah, he was still on the ventilator. Um, but then by Sunday morning, he stopped draining fluid out of his lungs. He, he had, by the end of that time, he had drained almost three liters of fluid out of his lungs, out of his tiny little body. body. And he finally stopped draining on Sunday and they told us that's when they would take him off the vent. And so by Sunday night, like afternoon, I think it was, we took him off the vent (laughs) and he was a hot mess that he was on so many different drugs to keep him sedated because of the neurological things that were going on Mm -hmm. and everything else he could not they couldn't keep him sedated yeah and so we were constantly trying new cocktails Uh, at one point he had two different ivs going with like like they have rack ivs where they hang Mm -hmm. tons of different medicine on and they have a machine that operates all of them uh-huh. for them. He had two of those going that were full. Oh, my gosh. So I think it was like six different things. Not all of them were, were sedation medicines. Right. There was, you know, potassium and other mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. for his dehydration and all that. But anyway, it was just a whole lot. It was yeah. a lot. And so lot. he had to detox for several days. Um, and then, but we had been warned that we would be there for possibly weeks and months. And he just kept getting better and better we gave him one more dose of that drug since he responded so well Uh to it the next week and by friday was it friday i think it was friday the next week we went home oh my gosh it was a glorious day it was and it it was glorious and it was miraculous (laughs) it was (laughs) the doctors were astounded they 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 couldn't get over that he was going home already oh my gosh and he was more miserable at the hospital than recovering at home. They're yeah. like, we're not doing a whole right. lot for him anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can monitor vitals and labs and things, but we're yeah. not doing as much of that anymore. So if you want to take him home to finish recovering, you can. You're like, yes, 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 yes. Because yes, yes, he yeah. was terrified of the doctors by that point. Yeah. And just miserable. Obviously, yeah. yeah. And they were putting him through PT mm-hmm. and everything else. And it was just a whole lot. Um, oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. It's yeah. amazing. It was I just remember like just our church in general and mm-hmm. obviously our family just constantly praying for you guys. Yeah. And just, mm-hmm. I remember our kids praying at night and then the next morning they'd be like, 
what's the update? What's the update? You know, sweet babies. Sometimes I was like, there's no update, even though I knew there was an update. Right. You know, like we just have to keep praying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's community is so important because it's, I know it's lonely being in that hospital room and not knowing and receiving the things moment by moment and living moment to moment. But then knowing that there's people on the outside praying for you and, you know, you called me mm-hmm. crying and I'm like mm-hmm. on the phone, like, okay, you cry a little bit, but right. don't lose it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I be strong. And then I was came. driving to yes. Jess's house uh-huh. and I got pulled into her driveway and I uh, jumped out of the car. Yeah. So I'm going to, I was like, oh my gosh. And I, just, I thought, I was like, what? <laughs> and then we both were crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just, yeah. And just holding each other up, yes. you know, in those moments that, yeah. you know, we just, yes. we just need each other. Right. Absolutely. Right. So desperately. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just amazing being able to have a community mm-hmm. that can surround you and love you and hold hope for you yes. and pray just for you. And carry you through yes. that. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't know what we would have done emotionally without knowing how many people were around mm-hmm. us just taking care of us. We had like three different uh, quote unquote family chats going where yeah. we would update them first. And some of them was like Peter's work family and the bears and yeah. all of those people. And then other people were like our actual family and, then knowing that everybody was praying as we updated online and things Mm -hmm. like that just was so encouraging. We were, it was during COVID. So we were allowed to have anybody come into the Mm -hmm. hospital, (sighs) um, at all. And we couldn't be relieved either. And so not that I myself couldn't have left as it was, um, where it was at, but yeah, it just was, it was very lonely yeah. in the hospital alone with the COVID thing going on and not having anybody there. So just yeah. having that support outside and knowing everybody was praying and talking mm-hmm. and ready to listen and mm-hmm. stuff just made a huge difference on us emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so during that time, what was your marriage like? Uh, that's a challenging question, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I felt like it was okay in the moment. Um, and I found out later that Peter was turning to unhealthy things Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. um, that were very destructive for us in our marriage. Um, so it kind of has skewed how I see the situation now. I felt like at the time everything was great. Um, I'm very much, uh, like, when there's hard stuff going on, I'm very in the zone and I'm focused and mm-hmm. you can't distract me from right. that. Mm-hmm. And very, that's just, I operate well like that under pressure. But, um, Peter was like, okay, uh, in the moment, but a little bit more like I was having to kind of encourage him along and stuff, but that's kind of what I felt like was normal behavior and stuff right. for us. So it didn't mm-hmm. feel like that big a deal. Um, you know, and it, it sad, it saddens me to look back now knowing that he was, struggling using unhealthy outlets yeah. and not fully present and not fully present mm-hmm. yeah i deserved that and aiden deserved that mm-hmm. um, and he deserved that and peter deserved, deserved that yeah, yeah absolutely he deserved <clears throat> to be more in the moment and not have to look back on that with huge regrets right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so how is uh, aiden today so good <laughs> he's so good he's so you guys good. He's oh. amazing he's the sweetest kid and so smart and um it took us a while to get, it took his kidneys a while to recover from mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and his body, his, his little sure. tummy has taken some issues, mm-hmm. but, um, he finally actually just this week of when it was re- that we were recording, he just got back 
his first set of labs that his kidneys were in a normal range. Oh, wow. For the very <laughs> first time. Just Almost a whole jump year for later. joy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that he's got kidney damage right. and he's just always going to have to be, we were worried he may Careful. be on medications yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so for his kidney numbers to suddenly jump back and get better was really cool almost a year later so yes oh my gosh that's just incredible so do they know where the e coli came from unfortunately we couldn't trace it okay yeah we did a lot of tracing with the like health department and stuff because that's a normal thing to Uh prevent an outbreak of any kind um but like at the time we had bought beef from a farmer and yeah. we had split that cow with other people right so we knew it wasn't that so right. that it was a quick rule out and he's also two they're yeah. like two-year-olds put their hands in their mouths more right. it could have been it could have potentially been something outside right but we really just don't know that's one yeah. thing that annoys everybody is that we don't really know i, know. <laughs> I always wonder like how do they trace that right like that has to you have to answer a lot of questions. Yeah. Like <laughs> they talk you through everything in your fridge, basically. And I would have no clue. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what was in my fridge yes. or what I fed right. my kids that day. Like, right. I have yeah. no idea. Well, and I think it wasn't food related, right? Because there were no other E. coli patients. Yeah. At the time, he was the only, there had been a few people earlier in the month that had E. coli like two patients, but that was like weeks before. It was like, it's not a food related thing at this point. And then there was nobody else that got sick around the time he had it. So there's no way to trace it that way with food. So we don't think it was food. Yeah. But I still threw away a bunch of my meat that was in the freezer. I was like, I'm not Uh playing that game. Nope, not doing it. Yep. Yep. Same. Yes. That's crazy. What would you say to anybody who's facing a similar circumstance? Uh, I think, the main thing is to trust your instinct, especially mm-hmm. as a mother. Fight for what you know is normal in your child. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, I just, I'm throwing this out there because I was with Jamie like every day mm-hmm. or we were talking or whatever. And while he's at home starting to get sicker, she just kept telling me, something is off. This is not normal. Yeah. Something is not right. And so everybody else was, around us was not super worried. Yeah. But I knew. Jamie's mom got instinct. So I knew something was off right. because she knew something was off. Yep. Trust that instinct. Yeah. yeah. Mama, mama knows. Right. Yeah. 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 You know your kid better than anybody and don't let a doctor try to tell you that it's Any normal and it's not. Yeah. Or yeah. a family member or, or family a friend or, or anybody. You know. yeah. yeah. I feel like I've had the worst experience with doctors on that. Yeah. I'm just not listening to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would say trust your instinct on what is going on with your kid and Mm -hmm. really push for what you believe. Um, And I think too, just if you find yourself in one of those situations, find your community that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I got in touch with other moms of kids with HUS and found some people to talk to who had been through similar things, Mm -hmm. which was helpful on one hand. It was, there were a couple moms that had lost their kids that were in like, almost identical situation with mm-hmm. Aiden, the worst case scenario. That was really hard to hear, but it was also something I needed to digest right. at the yeah. same time. I need to be aware of what's happening. Um, so find your community mm-hmm. of people who have been through something similar mm-hmm. and then find your community. And Facebook is a great way to do yeah. that. Facebook, Facebook, there's Facebook groups for almost everything. So if you don't, if you feel like I have nowhere to, like, I don't know where to look, I don't yeah. know where to start, go on Facebook mm-hmm. and type in 
what what did you I uh I actually got in touch with a friend of a friend okay their child had HUS okay uh, randomly of course mm-hmm. but God you know I feel like God orchestrated that and yeah. so they she put me in touch with that HUS moms so it was just yeah. HUS moms it's so right. easy just type in stuff up, like that and you'll, fi- you'll and probably yeah, find something you can find a community there of people who will stand beside you and mm-hmm. like I know what you're going through mm-hmm. and there's something so life-giving to just somebody understanding mm-hmm. And then find your community of family, friends, whatever that, you know, are on your side and Mm -hmm. are with you and emotionally invested with you because you need that just as much. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we said, our Thrive tip for this month is to open up your couch. And here at We Thrive, we recognize that pain is pain and grief is grief. It can be really easy to stay within our own, like, quote unquote, pain zones, if you will. But if we can open our eyes to see what's around us, we'll see that we have a lot more in common with a lot more people than we realized. So who are you going to open up your couch to this month? Let us know on social media at Yet We Thrive or shoot us an email at hello at yetwethrive.com. Jamie, thank you for coming on today to share with us. I know that was like hard for me to relive, hard for you to relive, but I know that it's going to touch so many people's lives and somebody's going to hear it and it's going to be exactly what they needed. And so thank you so much for sharing that part of your story with us. And thank you all for listening this week and we'll see you next time. Thank- Joining us today on the Yet We Thrive podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and take a screenshot to share on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Yet We Thrive or at yetwethrive.com. If our podcast has impacted you at all, we would so appreciate if you would take a couple of moments to leave a review. These things will help us to share the word and keep on thriving. Until next time.